Blind Ambition with Jack Kelly, your friend Rick Chen. And today we're really excited to have Jonathan Salaman. And he is the co-founder and chief technology officer at Transfix. As the architect of Transfix's proprietary algorithms, Salama is responsible for managing a team of skilled engineers and data scientists uh, tasked with developing and advancing the technology and software infrastructure that powers the Transfix platform. And, and that's the platform that is by the digital freight startup that connects shippers with truckers, and it's looking to expand to development of additional services such as transportation management software. Uh, you might have heard of the industry if you've heard of Uber Freight and Convoy. And the company also has recently announced that it has plans to go public through a special purpose acquisition company at a valuation of more than $1 billion, uh, which is quite impressive feat. Uh, Jonathan, perhaps we can kind of start there and, and kind of walk through your kind of career arc and, and, and how you came up with the idea for, for Transfex. Yeah, yeah. Um, thanks, thanks for having me. Um, my uh, my career arc. It's always um, interesting <laughs> to like talk talk about yourself that much. Um, I, I, I'm from France. I, I grew up there. Um, I, I moved to the U.S. to go to University of Miami, and um, I my intention was to be a film writer. Um, so I went to school for film writing or at least uh, my very, very first semester, because um, I didn't speak English. And it turns out you have to speak English if you're going to take a major where you have to write in English a lot. Uh, so I failed miserably all my classes. Uh, so the, the, but I had one class in computer, like in, like in simple computer engineering, like it was just very, very basic programming. And I just like aced that without like thinking, I barely, like I just went to the test, aced it, moved on and like, tried to like learn English. Um, and so like the, the school sort of like, maybe writing isn't for you. Maybe you should <laughs> look, look over there. Um, they put me into it. They actually told me like I had to like drop out to go to an English program that they, that they set up. So like, I, 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 um, I learned English like in like through this intensive, um, immersion program. And then going back to school, it was like, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to be an engineer like this. Coding was a lot more fun than anything I've ever done. If I can make my career out of coding, like I'm, I'm sad. So I, I got passionate from there. Um, I, I spent four years in Miami. I, um, I, I went on to, uh, to do some work at Microsoft and then, um, I, I would say that like my, my real first job out of out of school was actually in New York, was at a company called Gilt. Um, it, it was uh, very popular back then. We were one of the first like major e-commerce platforms, especially in the high retail sp space or luxury space. Um, and, and I loved it. I was early engineer there. I saw crazy growth within four years. Uh, we had like over a thousand. I, I, when I joined, we were below a hundred people. When I left four years later, there was above, I think 1200. Um, wow. Really, really amazing company. Uh, but after four years, I decided to join another startup on the West Coast this time in San Francisco. So I just sort of travel all across the US. Um, I, uh, the startup was, it was very small. I was the only engineer in the CTO. Um, there were a uh, few, a few other, uh, they are 
created like a, a what I believe was a great product and a great company. But uh, in the early days, um, the managing team decided to sell the company to Lyft. Um, I made my wife move from the. I made my wife through guilt, um, and I made her move to San Francisco. And she was very clear that once the startup was done, she wanted to move back to New York. I had a choice to move back with her or stay there. It's like, I'm coming back. So we moved back to New York. And I, at that time, I just, I, I just went through, I went through high growth quickly um, at a, at a large, at a decent sized startup. Then I like went to a much smaller one and, and went through an acquisition. And I thought like, I, I really want to do this myself. I want to understand. I want to work for myself for a little bit. So I started contracting. Um, and I realized very quickly contracting is not for me. Uh, there are wow. plenty of engineers where it's great for, uh, but I, I tend to like what I like what I found was contracting is you work with a, on a very small project, very limited. You don't really see at least the project I got. You don't see the impact of what you build to your customers and to others. And I was very frustrated. Yeah, I would just build like something quick and move on to the next project, and just didn't like it. So. From then, I thought I should be starting. Um, I should be. I should be building a new startup. So um, I, I started making friends in the VC world, and um, I, I would be pitching to those friends new ideas. And eventually, one of them like, "You got to stop. Um, they're like, you're not like you're 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 great, but you're not great at finding new ideas." But I have this friend that I know who's got a trucking ID. Like, I, I don't know what it's gonna go to. The ID seems really good, but he doesn't know how to build anything. So you guys should meet because you're literally the opposite. Uh, so I actually met my co-founder at a bar, um, Drew McElroy. We, uh, he, he told me everything that was in his head about trucking and the brokerage and the freight brokerage industry. And I just loved it. Um, so, so I came home that said night and told my wife, like, I'm starting a trucking company. And she looked at me and said, sure you are good, good, good event. <laughs> um, it's, it's late. Um, and I woke up the next morning still on this. And so she, she was very supportive, but I think a bit shocked. Um, and that's, that's how Transfix was born. That is well, I can't, but I can't get past, how did you come here to the U.S. to go to college and not speak uh, any English? So, I can't get, so, I still can't get past so, that far. Yeah, so, so um, college in France works very, like, kind of like here, you apply to a bunch of them and, like, you get in, you don't get in. And uh, I was pretty, I'm going to call it, I'm going to call it naive, but right. really, like, one would say arrogant. And I only applied <laughs> to one school. I, I applied to, like, one school. It's like, I, I'm for sure getting in. Why would I not get in? I'm definitely getting in. Now, in hindsight, I didn't have the grade. I didn't do anything outside of school. Like, I like clearly, I wasn't getting in, but nobody would convince me otherwise. And I applied to <laughs> University of Miami as a joke, as a complete joke. Um, and then um, I got, uh, so I got denied from the school in France, and I got a scholarship to go to Miami. And uh, my mother looked at me in the eyes and said, you have two choices. You go to Miami or you be a waiter for a year. And uh, that life decision took about a second to make in my head. <laughs> it was very fast. Um, and here I am in Miami. 
that I like, I was actually planning on going back uh, in my head. I would go work in New York for a year, two years, and then move back to France. Uh, but working, uh, I mentioned I met my wife and um, she's from Wisconsin. So um, I was like, all right, I guess I'm here to stay. Yeah, how do you like the trucking industry? Uh, it is wild. Um, it, it's interesting because like coming from uh, very digital work, like uh, guilt was retailers, but then um, like engineering doesn't like sometimes doesn't feel very uh, tangible. If you work in ad tech or you're in fintech or like it's not like it's real, but it's like doesn't happen in the real world and trucking is as real as it gets uh, and it's extremely interesting it's way more complicated uh, than anybody could imagine from the from the outside and um, it has had a lack of technology for so long and coming in and and innovating and showing what tech can do to a to to a market like this has been uh, incredibly interesting and there's this like saying in like the logistics space, like once you're, you're seeing how small the world it is in, in this space, like everybody knows everyone, but that's mostly because once you enter logistics, you, you don't get out. Like you can change company, <laughs> but you do not get out. You stay, uh, people are lifers um, and, and it's been fun. It's been, it's been a really fun ride. It's interesting because you know, before the pandemic, you really didn't hear about supply chain, supply chain disruptions, yeah. logistics. It like really wasn't on anyone's radar. But then when you, you started going to the supermarket and there's not a lot of food on the shelves, you go to store department stores, not a lot of goods there. All of a sudden, supply chain disruptions, logistics became, you know, so common. It's, it's still even up to now where a lot of, of the inflation is being blamed also on not yeah. having, you know, all these disruptions and not getting the goods and services we need. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it, it's funny, you, you see this in, in all type of ways. Like in the early days when we raised money, we had a lot of like, wait, this is, this is a trucking company? No, <laughs> no, 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 I'm out. Today, everyone uh, knows exactly the, the, the impact uh, logistics and, and trucking and, and all um, all supply supply chains areas have an impact on like society and, and everything. So it's, yeah, it's crazy. Jonathan, did you go all in and try to learn how to drive a truck or, or just put stuff in, the, you know what I mean? Load, unload trucks, did like a method so actor like, getting we, into it. We, we, we did, we did plenty of like meeting, uh, meeting carriers and going at warehouses and, and seeing how it's done. I was never allowed, like I have two left hands. Uh, I like, I so have, you came on a truck, drop ship, broke stuff. Yeah. And like, you yeah, know what, John, I, don't, don't, they, that's They okay. didn't even try. They, they looked, they're like, <laughs> they looked yeah, at you they, like, no, they looked not. at me and they're like, you can just watch. Just so you had these burly truckers like, uh, hey, hey, you, Frenchie. Nah, we don't want you. That's yeah, all right. Like, uh, Get you, away. You, can, you, you keep, keep building stuff is the uh, <laughs> answer I would get a lot. So like, just, just go build stuff. <laughs> you're, you're better served there. Uh, right, right. So, you, yeah, know, so, you know what you're good at and you're going to just focus on what you're good at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, that is, that is very true. I, I, no skills coming out of this hands. So, um, yeah.
No, I mean, in, in terms of the skills of coding, like it's such a huge technical challenge, right? Like you mentioned that kind of your competition is almost like pen and paper, right? Where it's it's an incredibly large industry, um, not much use of technology just yet. Did you find in the early days when you started working with people in the logistics space um, that they were, you know, willing to embrace you with with open arms, or did you have to do a lot of convincing of saying like, "Hey, here's here's why I'm using technology or my technology, my platform is better." Yeah, so um, it, it was interesting because so in the early days, things that we'd hear a lot from shippers, which is like, "Oh, we've we've been told this before." And it's never it's never worked, um, and, and so we had to prove ourselves. But in the early days, so now like this is like 2012, 2013, like in the very early days, technology that you and I and like everyone took sort of for granted, the logistics space didn't. And I remember having a meeting um, with, with a potentially fairly large customer, and all we did was to show truck on a map. Like I get their location from their phone and I put it on a map, that's it, nothing else. That alone was like mind blowing for a lot of people. And, and so I realized it's like, what we had to do in the early days is not skip step. We have to bring the customers in that journey with us of building. Like even though we could have gone like 20 steps ahead and providing automations and notifications if the truck is late and, and doing all these stuff we had to like slow down and bring the customer on that journey with us so that um so that to to create that trust and also to create uh this um this idea of velocity that we're going to work with them uh, because the other thing is like any software in this space is, is really slow. Like if you want to build something, it'll take a year. Like if you want to add something to your TMS, it'll be very slow. Um, but coming from a startup, we had three engineers, like, like we're going to run. Uh, we are, we're going to move faster than any team of a thousand people. Um, and, and so that was the idea. We're going to deliver minimum value very fast. And then we're going to build on top really, really quickly and bring the customer on board as we do this. Uh, and, and that's, um, I think in the early days, like customers were excited to like see what we had to offer. Um, and, and from then now we like, now, now it's just a matter of like keep that innovation muscle, muscle like healthy and, and going um, every day. Why do you think that the software that is existing is like almost always slow? Uh, is there just no incentive to kind of improve the technical capabilities uh, there or? I think they're just like, I, I, it's a different, like some of our competitors are not on the cloud, right? Like some of our competitors are host, like are hosted at customers, at warehouses. Um, oh, wow. So changing any software requires like somebody to make local updates, right? It's just like they're, they're those companies are born in a slightly now they're trying to catch up and they're doing better and good for them. Um, I don't disparage anyone, but that's like our, like that's what we do. 
right? Like that's our, our engineering team. That's where they come from. Like they don't know how to build on like on-premise stuff. They know how to build, like they know how to build really fast, really well, uh, scaling. Like when we talk about scale, you, 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 like, right? Like we live in a world where like you, you tweet every day, you Instagram every day. Like that's like Instagram receive. I don't know how many billion requests like uh half fast right but this is it's normal you're used to it in truck in, in trucking you gotta remember there is about like three million truck driving at any given time give or take so the yeah. most it's a 700 billion dollar market that is that in, if you hold the entire network of data you're getting three million requests per second that's nothing like that's like literally that is literally nothing like any engineer could handle this like in their sleep um unless you're on premise because that hurts a lot right and so like so i think it's just a different mindset of how you build that uh they're the the like the traditional players are like definitely evolving definitely like investing and have like many many announcements that they're investing in moving uh faster but I think that's uh, a lot of it has to do with like that the difference into how the company was built. In, in terms of kind of, you mentioned mindset. Is this something that you look for when you're recruiting engineers and kind of walking them through the space? Uh, because I imagine, you know, like, like you said, if you're in the logistics space, certainly you know it. But perhaps for anyone else outside, they, they might have no clue, right? Uh, they they yeah. might not even realize like everything in the room around them probably came there on a truck, right? Yeah, yeah, no, no. We, uh, I think historically we hired maybe one or two that had logistic experience. Um, typically, wow. we don't. Like, we it's not that we don't try. We we interview. We we cast a wide net. Uh, but I always believe I can teach, we, we can teach you logistic a lot faster than we could teach you tech. So like, if you like, if you know how to code and if you know what, like we, we, we really focus on two things, right? Like we focus on uh, like, make sure you have tech skills, right? That's baseline. Like if you're an engineer, can you know how to code? That's pretty baseline. Right. Um, I think the thing that we do that, um, other startups don't always do is we make like I want every single one of our engineers to be customer fanatic, customer focused. Understand that like you're building this feature because it is impacting a customer. If you don't know who is it who is it's impacting, why are we building it? I want every engineer to always think like I like this is how I'm helping my customer. But like I, I lose my customer loosely, but yes. Yeah, who is a customer? Is it the trucker or is it the like, end? Yeah. So it's a lot of people for us. We have three main customers, in my opinion. We have our shippers, we have our carriers, but we also have our own employee. We build a lot of internal tools to make ourselves more efficient. Uh part of our premise, right, is that like we can automate a lot of the um a lot of the manual effort that is being done today by like other freight brokers. Um, and so, so, so we really have those three type of customers. So we have a team that's dedicated for um, our, our 
like to make sure our finance team has everything they need, like from a system standpoint to like proper invoice, proper bill, proper do do everything properly, right? Like so for that team, their customer is our own finance team. And um it, it and when I was working at Guilt, my uh my team was responsible for all the internal tools. Um and I think one of the best like I I was I was just eager to launch new new things. And early in my career, I always remember the CTO of, of Guild gave me an advice that like um I, I think shaped a lot of like how I think. Um that I in my head is it it doesn't matter if it's pretty. It doesn't matter if it's used, like it doesn't matter how it's used, it just matter that it is used. Like we can trade anyone and he, and he's like, no, they're your customer. You should always deliver best value to your customer. You should always treat every every line of code you write impacts someone. You should know who it is. You should know how it impacts them, and you like you should be you should be building code for them because the best code you could write ever. You could write the pretty code doesn't really make sense, but you know what I mean. Like you can write really good code. If nobody uses it, it's useless. And you can have write terrible code, but if everybody use it and love it, then by definition it's great. So, um, so that that's something we look for for every engineer that like any any part of our journey from when I was by myself to like today, we constantly look for for people who care about their customer. And I want to clarify for the audience, right? So you mentioned. Uh, the first two customers are uh, shippers and carriers. And so if I yeah. understand this correctly, shippers would be kind of like a, a merchant that has uh, freight to to, to, yeah. to send from point A to point B, right? That's right. And, yeah, 42,000 uh, pounds or something. Oh, okay. And then the carrier like is awesome. the actual trucker, right? Or, 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 or That's right. Trucking group? Okay. Yeah, they're, they're, they're typically trucking companies. We were like, we work with all sizes from only one truck, one co like one one company man, like the, he does everything or she does everything, to uh, the companies that have like fifty to one hundred trucks plus. Do you find that a lot of folks in the logistics space are kind of these like smaller mom and pop, yeah, kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. I think statistically. Uh, although to be verified, I, like the the number changes every year, and I don't fully keep track. But like give or take, sure. ninety five percent plus are like ten trucks or less. It's a you you have ten very very large player, and then you have a very long tail, um, very very long tail. So it's it's we we work with a lot a lot of small company, and it's uh, it's part of what makes um, or like working with carriers great seeing them grow their business because you've made them more efficient because you get them better freight because you've been sometimes just a decent human um it just helps them and, and it, it's great um the we we have many many stories we're very close with our carriers and um yeah they're 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 they counters our supply right like it's like that's we sell their supply but they're as much of like our customer or a partner than um than our shippers are 
I'm quite curious. Um, is that part of the reason why perhaps it's more challenging to kind of build something at scale in logistics just because you have that long yeah. tail of kind of uh, smaller shops or, or, or just? Yeah. In, so for trucking specifically, right, full truckloads, just what we do, right? Because supply chain is so large, just like there's so many right. areas. But in, in for our our side, what's it, what's yeah, it, it is really challenging because it's it's just um, you can't like think about like our customers are giving us freight, and so you you see the map of the U.S. They can give you they can give us freight anywhere at any time. Finding a truck is like throwing a dart and you hope that like it shows up at the right place at the right time, right? Uh, and and our, our technology really enables this. A, a lot of people are still doing like uh, when we, we do sometimes like a lot of phone calls to find this like these trucking companies. But just in your head, you can understand how inefficient the whole like system is and building anything to innovate is um, if, if it was easy, everybody would do it and we wouldn't exist, right? Like it would just be solved. Um, it, it is a really, really hard problem, but um, it includes, like we, we try to solve it coming from a different angle using a lot of data science and, um, and other fun, fun tools that we have at our disposal. And, and it, makes a, it makes it work great. Find interesting, and, and that seems to be a, a constant in the conversation that we're having. Is you know, you mentioned, and, and I found this quite inspiring. The third customer is are your own employees, right? And it it seems like throughout your kind of career, um, throughout your kind of founding of Transfix, you've been really focused on empowering individual team members, um, like. Has, has that translated into kind of like successful employee retention? Like, you know, right now we're yeah. talking about great resignation, quiet quitting, quiet firing, all of these like meme ideas about what it means to work today. Um, can you kind of break it down for us there? Yeah, 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 uh, absolutely. It's a great question. Um, I, I, I see, I see like there's retention like on like both sides in my head, like on the engineering side, like I think, um, it, like as setting everything up to like make like making sure that the engineer understand the impact they're having on their customer um it has always great retention um impact so like when for for the team that works on shippers we're like showing them like hey your project enabled this shipper to give us more revenue if you're on the carrier side this project um, ha has that impact of like, hey, you make the carrier's life better. On the employee side, what's interesting is you get instant gratification. It used to be pre-COVID when we you all used to be in the office, we would launch a feature and we would hear the team clapping on the other side of the office. You're like, this is awesome. Who built this? And they would go run around the office like, who built this? This is awesome. Like, this is great. Uh, now, like we're like all on Slack, like we we have like um, our our channel of like, hey, we just launched this feature, and you'll see in you'll get instant gratification, and uh, so like that on the engineer side, like you, 
that gets you motivated, that, that, that I, I do believe that helps with attention for product, for data as well. Um, on, the, on the other side, on the operation and business side, like we don't want them to do tasks that can be automated, right? Like if, if you go and you enter the same number in the same spreadsheet every day, like that, that gets like not, uh, boring is the wrong word, but mundane and like you want to be doing more. Every person that like, like no, no person has ever said like, I don't want, I just, well, I guess plenty have, but at Transfix at least we make sure we like, we, we look for people that have ambitions that want to do more, that want to do, that want to do better. And, and so once you're, once you're stuck in a, in a very, like in that repetition, it's, it's, it can be tough, but as you work with like we work product works hand in hand to figure out what are these tasks? How can we automate them? How do we like move forward? Um, and if anything, I think the process of being innovative and thinking about how to make everybody's like job like um, easier in a way by like enabling them with technology, um, I, I do believe that like has an impact on retention. You know, like looking through your career history, right? Like there, there's Guild Group, there was Cherry, which was Cherry. later acquired by Lyft, right? And, mm -hmm. and so I, I want to figure out, you, you've worked at different companies, uh, different startups at, at different levels of scale, right? Is, is there kind of one type of business that you think that, you know, if I'm a new technologist, if I'm a new engineer that I should seek out? Uh, in, in terms of kind of where can I grow the most and, and where can I like level up my skills faster? Uh, yeah, it, it very, diff, uh, it's a great question. And I think that it very much depends on where you are and what you want to do and what kind of engineers you are. Um, many engineers are really, really good to start new companies, but the moment you start putting process, too much process in place, they, like it tends to not be their uh, their favorite um, areas, and others are like the opposite um, because it depends also how much risk you want to take. Like if you have three, four kids at home, um, you might not want to take a risk on a startup that didn't get funding yet. Um, so, so I think there's a lot of like a lot of that. But as far as uh, skills, I, I think. It really depends. Having the ability to be around great engineers um, definitely definitely moves your skills up. You're constantly getting feedback about how to think about coding and how to think about delivering um, coding in a safe and uh, productive way. Um, when you're on your own or when you're at a very small startup, you might have a bunch of very, very talented engineers next to you, but it's go time. You're not talking to them. It's just go, go, go. Uh, which is why like when, when starting Transfix, it was very clear, like the first three engineers I hire are gonna be like, really senior people that we're like, we're gonna talk to each other when we have a drink after work. But when we're at work, I have my headphones on, don't talk to me, we're coding. Like you're, you're doing, you're, like, we're all doing the same. Um, so I think that like, if you're, if you want to go into that environment, what you, what you learn is uh, 
that customer appreciation because they the engineer at that at that time may be um, helping with product and maybe helping with data science and maybe helping with whatever it takes to close that next customers and you get really quickly this empathy to your customers um, and, and how to how to think about developing software if you if you're thinking about developing your pure technical skill I would actually think that a company like Transfix today, like or like, there are many out there, um, is sort of the perfect balance. We're no longer rushing to get things out the door, uh, but we are keeping a really good pace. And you're surrounded by very, very talented and senior engineers that are here to help you grow uh, and understand. And um, I, I think that like you could if you want to understand what it's like at a really massive company like Meta or Google, or whatever you can, um, you are like, I think you, you're, you're learning something very, very different uh, when you go to one of those companies, which is way, way more technical, way more. Um, you, you go very, very deep into the technical and not like, and, to my, it was like my personal experience, you're very far removed from your customer. So it very much depends like which, which engineers you want to be and what type of impact you want to have. I think that answers your question. Yeah, and in terms of like, it, it sounds like if your, your advice is, if you want to maximize impact, right? You should really look for the customer obsessed, customer focused organization. That yeah. might be a large company, but more often than not, it, it seems like it seems like it's more of the smaller company, less of the kind of established, more of the kind of like startup feel where you can like really just dive in and, and, and not break things, but but really like get in there and, and see what you can build. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it really depends what engineer you want to be or what data science. And, and I, I say engineer a lot, but I really mean like it's, it's every every technical role from product to design to data science to analytics to um, engineering, all type of engineering. Yeah, I, I understand. And, and I, I mean, one thing that I would kind of like love to dig into is, you know, you're at Cherry and it was acquired by Lyft. Um, you know, is, is an acquisition by a larger company of your startup, uh, is, is it a good thing? Like, can you walk us through that experience from, uh, like, how to think of that from a it, career perspective? You, you, you know, like, so, yeah, it, it happened for us, it happened really fast. Um, okay. And I remember interviewing at Lyft, and I'm sure it's a great company. I'm sure, every, like, I'm, I'm not disparaging anyone, but I just, like, no, of course not. And in my head, I was like, what am I going to do there? Like, there is like, you have so many engineers. I don't even know what, like, like, why do you need so many engineers? What are they all doing? Like, I, 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 would, I would try these questions, but like, you're in an interview setting. So like, it was sort of a, it was both of a tech acquisition. Like they wanted our, the product that we built, but they also wanted, uh, it was a aqua hire at the, at the point of sales. We had like three, four engineers. Um, and then in, they didn't need all of us. <laughs> and my wife was very much already saying, I want to be back in New York. What are you doing? Like, why are you really interviewing? I want to be back in New York. <laughs> so I went to the interview because like, why not? 
um, right. and a lot of the interview was um, I, I, I Cherry Cherry was a car washing company that uh, we would essentially you you had an app you press a button to tell us where your car is and we send somebody to to wash it. Uh, I, I, I sort of built a backend platform that would find these uh, these car washer, train them by video and test, uh, vet them, uh, connected to a bunch of different um, systems to make sure that like their credit check is fine and all that stuff, um, and then um, and then do do a first pass as a tag along, and then like. And the whole onboarding process was automated where we had one customer support doing like two or 300 onboardings a week. Um, and she was fine. And we built a text message platform for her and a bunch of these stuff. And that's that's the type of thing that Lyft wanted. Um, so a lot of my interview was about like uh, all the stuff that, that we build. And, um, and it, was a, it was sort of an interesting experience because you get a lot of like interviews like, okay, we build that too. Why is yours better? I want to fight about this. <laughs> I don't. I don't know yours. Maybe I don't know. Why are you asking me that question? It's weird. Right. Um, it's weird. So the whole experience was kind of strange. Um, and then, like I, I, I think it's been clear through like the fifty minutes we've been talking. I only care about impact. I don't really right. care about anything else. Um, and, and here I saw like, <laughs> I, I, I don't know what impact I'm going to have. I'm not really interested. Um, so very much depends like who you are, I guess. Um, yeah, I, I, that was, think that's, I think that's a good lesson there, right? Where you really have to figure out where you are in your career, what you want to optimize for, right? And, and it seems like, almost like a kind of like a shortcut is impact on the customer impact on the technical challenges that you're about to solve uh even the the impact of what you can make within an existing organization within an yeah. existing engineering infrastructure right yeah uh, yeah that's 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 totally right really the the question we get a lot in interview and it's, it's a fine question but it's tiring to answer because it's basically the number one question you get from from engineer data science product. What is the hardest product, hardest challenge you're working on? And often I give a speech and like, listen, we have plenty of hard challenge, right. but there, that doesn't always equal to impact. That, that is the wrong question to ask. The question you should be asking is where am I going to have the most impact? Not what is the hardest challenge I'm going to work on? Because if that's what really you care about, if you only care about how hard the problem is, but you don't care about its impact, you're, you're not a fit. Don't interview. Um, wait, like, if you care about like, okay, it's got to be interesting for you to build and intellectually challenging, but at the same time, you're as worried about this as you're going to worry about the impact it has on your customer. Then, yeah, like that's going to be an interesting conversation. But if you just care about like, I want to build something hard. There's plenty of hard stuff you can build that has zero value. Go do that. Are, are, are there any other kind of things that you recommend that a technologist engineer going through an interview process kind of look for in terms of like, what are the red flags? What are the green flags there? 
Yeah. Uh, so, the, so you mean as the interviewer or the interviewee? As the interviewee. As the interviewee, I, I that I always find interesting is like um, the the best question I always I always tend to receive is just like what was the most impactful thing you work on last quarter, because then like you don't only get what's our what's our philosophy about building things but you also understand okay what did we build what in like how do we think about impact what did impactful is the company going somewhere um if i take a project like oh yeah it was very very impactful we were able to close 10 more trucking company well i would worry right like it's like that's not a lot um, but if i start talking about like yeah we we launched this project and therefore we got a, a bunch of new deals with these customers. Like it, it's a getting a sense of not only the, the who you're going to work with, but also getting a sense of like, where is the company going? Um, the, it, it, we go back to like who you are as an engineer. If you're, if you're worried about, about impact, I would be blunt to say how I'm, how am I going to have an impact? Where, like, where, where is the most impact to have? How, what is, what am I going to do that is going to create value for any customers we've talked about and understanding who are your customer, understanding the market, understanding what the product you work on. Um, I think very often, unfortunately, these are, these are not questions we get that often, surprisingly. Um, we just don't. I get I get a lot of what's the hardest thing we work on, but I rarely get mm. any questions around impact or or anything like that. Rick, Jonathan, I'm curious about your opinion on this. Do you feel, given what we've been just talking about, so members of Blind who are either thinking of a startup or joining a startup, instead of thinking like the sexy, cool thing or doing the hard coding to look at maybe a boring like plotting industry that's you know that if you would tell your parents and friends about it they kind of roll their eyes and say what what are you doing is that maybe kind of the thing that they should look for that is an uncrowded I, field what do you think i personally love this right like yeah. like i went to like from guilt going to a car washing company. Right, because guilt of, was like, kind of a high-end, right? Yeah. Sexy kind of company, yeah. Yep, I got a lot of you're nuts. And then, like, starting a trucking company, like, yeah. you're, you're even more crazy than you thought you were. Right. Uh, but, like, there's, like, there is something incredibly rewarding in bringing tech into a, into a niche market. And, like, a cold trucking niche, $700 billion, not that niche. Um, but like, I, I agree, like, right. The not sexy stuff I found in, like much more interesting than, uh, than anything else you would be doing. I, I fully agree with that statement. It would almost be like for um, blind members to start doing this, running a screen of like what old, like, like old fashioned industries or, yeah. you know, that have been left behind kind of thing left for a forsaken and then say, hmm, how can I breathe new life in it through technology and all of a sudden have a cool startup or join a cool startup that's doing it? Yeah. Before meeting Drew, like I had, I, I, in my head, I had a checklist of things I wanted the startup that what, whichever industry it was, but I, I wanted uh, a really big town. Um, understood, understood that like 
your 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 chance of getting one percent or ten percent of a market are are difficult as it is. But if like the market is gigantic, at least it makes the number make sense. Um, so really large Sam, um, a co-founder. Like in in my head, I had this idea that like I could take care of everything internal. But that's like all three people jobs. I I need somebody to be the external selling and fundraising and all this and, and drew was great for that so like that was a match but also i was very very much looking at not sexy industry mm -hmm. um like i was looking at car rentals i was looking at uh a different oil like uh, energy stuff like very much like things that are, are not considered like flashy um i very very much agree uh, with with your sentiment that like that's something people should be looking into. You know what? I, I I think it's really interesting that you say that, right? Because online we have a lot of technologists that are some of the largest tech companies, right? Meta, Amazon, Google. Um, almost every year, sometimes in some cases twice a year, the word impact almost becomes a meme, right? Because it's something that internally these cultures are trying to optimize for right when you're trying to get that next level up that promotion that raise that new stock grant uh they're often kind of completing these like huge promotion packets and trying to kind of figure out like oh well how did i actually show impact right and you know from an outsider's perspective and, and also from after hearing you speak about like what impact really means in an engineering organization it, it, it kind of shows me, wow, like they actually have no idea of impact, right? If you're having yeah. to sit down and try to figure out, well, like what the heck did I do in the last six months or last 12 months? Uh, where did I demonstrate impact? Uh, perhaps you're not demonstrating impact at all, right? Perhaps these organizations aren't set up in that way. Uh, and so to hear from your perspective is quite refreshing. And I want to thank you for coming yeah, on the thanks. show and, and sharing that with us. I appreciate it. Uh, thank you so much this is great thank you point. that's it for the blind ambition if you enjoyed the show please leave us a five-star rating and a review and don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts thanks for listening